What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by a special guest, my main man, Jovan Buha, who covers the Los Angeles Lakers for The Athletic. And we're going to break down a big offseason ahead for the Lakers, including the future of LeBron James, whether Kyrie Irving is a realistic target, free agency for Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, and pretty much 75% of the roster for the Lakers <laughs> and much more. Um, first off, I want to apologize to Michael Malone. I'm sure he's disappointed that we're, we're doing a Lakers podcast and we're not talking about uh, the Denver Nuggets in the finals. But Mike, don't worry, I'm coming back to you. Uh, but for today, Yovan, I appreciate you joining me, my man. How's everything your way? Everything is good, man. It's been uh, a crazy last few months, obviously, you know, post-trade deadline with, with the run that this this group made and uh, was not expecting to be working into late May, but uh, here we are and about a month away from free agency and uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, ironically, I wasn't expecting LeBron James to kind of uh, give a cryptic end of the season availability when uh, he finished his playoff uh, press conference there, uh, kind of leaving his future a little bit up in the air. Um, you know, he's got some things to think about. I mean, look, I think if you talk, Yovan, anybody around the league, certainly most people think LeBron James is ultimately going to be back uh, next season uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers going for uh, a title run if they can. Um, w- w- when you were there, um, I think you kind of tweeted that it seemed a little bit like it was more just exhaustion from the series. But now that you've had time to reflect and digest it, you know, I don't know if you needed some Pepto-Bismol or not, but what did you take away from LeBron's uh, kind of cryptic comment and uh, what his future will be with the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, well, uh, I think it was a a premeditated decision to uh, leave the the cryptic bread uh, breadcrumbs that he he left at the end of that press conference because uh, I've rewatched. You know, obviously, I was I was there for it. I was sitting front row, uh, so you know, had a good vantage point of him and, and his body language. But just rewatching that press conference a couple times uh, on YouTube, and and really kind of almost going through it like, like a Zapruder film uh, of pausing and rewinding, and uh, just kind of even factoring in his his relationships with certain reporters and and you know the the questions that were asked. Uh, I think he was kind of hinting at it throughout the press conference where he wouldn't talk about next season. You know, he, he was asked about, is this team a contender for next season? And he's like, I haven't even thought of next season yet. Uh, I asked him, uh, honestly, a similar question to the one that was asked to conclude the press conference. And he told me, I won't, you know, I don't think about my seasons. I, I don't review them. That That's for you guys to do. I'll review them when my career's over. Uh, and, and then to kind of go that route at the end of the press conference and say you know, he's a lot to think about with, with his future with basketball. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I think on some level, he knew he was going to say that. I think it was just a matter of timing. And of course, ending the press conference that way, that there was no follow up questions. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't uh, David McMenamin of ESPN was able to track him down and ask him a, a bit about that. And then obviously he clarified he meant retirement. But uh I think, you know, to, to your point, like, uh, as I reported today at, at The Athletic, everyone I've talked to 
with and around the Lakers uh, expects him to be back. The, the Lakers are planning, uh, you know, the, their off season, uh, you know, w- with the mindset that LeBron is going to be back. So uh, I, I pegged it today in, in a mailbag I did uh, at around 10% that he's not back, you know, be it due to retirement or uh, playing for another team, but that might even be a little high. Uh, so I, I think, of course, we'll see. And and I thought the the Jay Z lyrics that he quoted were, were interesting. Where um, you know it was, it was off the the Black album, and and of course Jay Z at the time was planning on re- retiring and and taking a little break, and um, you know came back has dropped multiple albums since then. So I, I don't know if this is LeBron hinting that he needs a few months off, a season off. Uh, you know, maybe he take does the Jordan and retires for a year and, and comes back. Uh, plays with Bronny in, in 2024, 25, but uh, everything I've heard and and just you know talking to people with and around the team uh, is that they expect LeBron to be back. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it was just an exhaustion thing. I think it was a heat of the moment thing. Uh, I think for the first time, like we, we've seen LeBron time and time again come through in elimination games, and for him to to drop a 40 point near triple double, uh, you know, I, I believe was uh, was an assist away. Uh, and the Lakers to still lose and get swept. I'm sure some part of him is, is wrestling with his basketball mortality and, and just, you know, I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, nine times out of 10, that LeBron game gets his team a win. And, you know, be it because he's 38 or, or just the supporting cast with the Lakers or, or just how good Denver is. Uh, I think that, you know, there, there are several things that, you know, led to the Lakers getting swept in that series and, and not being able to pull out any of those fourth quarter uh, crunch time games. So I think for him, yeah, I think he, he was weighing a lot at the time. Uh, we, we know LeBron is, is very calculated and, and, you know, likes to be specific with, with certain things, but we also know sometimes he likes the drama. And, and I think that Instagram story kind of fed into that as well of, of just adding further intrigue into what he's going to do. But uh, my read on the situation is I expect him to be back. I know most people with the team expect it. And I think this is just him uh, kind of sorting through some things, but ultimately he's too good to retire at this point. And I think for, for the greats, you rarely see them go out when they still have this much left in the tank. So I suspect LeBron will play at least one more year, if not a couple. It was certainly a taxing year mentally and physically for him. I think when it comes to Bronny James and, and looking ahead, potentially you know, down the line of playing with him. Um, I, I always felt like he would still come back anyway. But the biggest thing to me I thought of initially was the way you touched on with the basketball mortality perspective. I, I don't think, look, when LeBron's healthy, still one of the top players in the NBA. I think this is more about potentially maybe a little bit of leverage, question mark. <laughs> like I, well, I mean, yes, because yes. I think there's a part of that. Too, and, I, for sure. and this kind of leads me into the next topic, because, look, we both, you know, in talking to people around the league and whatnot, you know, we both think he as of today, like he'll be back. But, you know, time will tell ultimately. But um, Kyrie Irving was at Crypto Arena. And, and again, I, it's really weird to say that. I always think of it as Staples Center, but I digress. It's, it'll always be Staples. OK, as long as we're in agreement on that. But. So Kyrie Irving shows up, okay? And among other things, like if you're D'Angelo Russell and you're getting ready to play a game, that had to be something to look over and see Kyrie Irving, you know, right there watching you play and, and the team. 
and, you know, LeBron and Kyrie are doing their handshakes. But, you know, some wondered if this was like a leverage play to, to try to get the Lakers to make a move to get Kyrie Irving. Um, and so, first of all, I've heard that there's no truth to any reports that Kyrie Irving has a handshake deal with Dallas um, on a new max contract for four years with a player option at this time. Um, so not to say that he won't be back in Dallas. They certainly have all the motivation to keep him um, after making the trade for him and uh, the financial resources to, to make him the best offer possible. Um, but nothing is, is done as of yet. So with that in mind, it opens up the door for Kyrie. He is an unrestricted free agent to, to make his decision, which, uh, you know, he's talked about it. You know, I think on Instagram live that he's going to do. So when you look at the Kyrie Irving, Los Angeles, Lake, Los Angeles Lakers dynamic, Yovan, um, what would you say are the realistic chances, if any, that Kyrie Irving ends up a Los Angeles Laker? I don't personally think uh, they're high. But I wanted to get your take, of course, brother. Yeah, well, I uh, I, I kind of broke the news on on here a couple months ago, uh, talking about it with you, where uh, I said, you know, my opinion, and, and just based on conversations with, with people around the team, that I, I felt the ship had sailed uh, with, with Kyrie and the Lakers. Uh, I, I think until we see some. You know, we, we see a concrete resolution to Kyrie's situation. I think there's always going to be murmurs. Uh, I think if you gave LeBron truth serum, uh, he would love to play with Kyrie again. And and I don't think that's a secret. Like he, he was pushing for Kyrie uh, at the, the February 9th trade deadline. I mean, he, he made public comments about it uh, in a post-game media availability. Uh, you, you also had the, the previous summer where, uh, you know, he he wanted the Lakers to, to trade Russell Westbrook for for Kyrie. So I think that's all you know. That, that's all out there. I've reported that. Other people have reported that. Like that that that's you know pretty fair. You know, uh, well known. So I, I think like LeBron's affinity to reuniting with with Kyrie is no secret. Kyrie was at a couple of Laker playoff games. I uh, sit in courtside. Uh, so I think like like th- there's I think there's still something there. But um, as my colleague at the athletic Tim Cato reported uh, in one of his mailbags, like Dallas has little to, to no incentive to help the Lakers out in, in this situation, because I, I think the cleanest way to, to likely do it for LA would, would be a sign in trade, probably a double sign in trade where they would send D'Angelo Russell to Dallas and get back Kyrie Irving. Uh, that way Kyrie could sign a bigger deal with Dallas, uh, you know, get, get a little bit more money and, um, you know, d- depending on kind of the, the, you know, the, uh, framework of that deal, he could get more money than the Lakers could offer him, even if they cleared the, the maximum amount of ca- uh, cap space that they could do. So I think like, the, but why would, like, why would Dallas do that? They don't have interest in, in D'Angelo Russell. Uh, he, he's coming off a disappointing conference finals. And, uh, I don't think, you know, the, the Lakers could throw in picks and, and maybe that is enough to get it done. But uh, at this point I would say, um, I think the, the the port is open uh, for the the ship to return, but I don't think the ship is returning. And uh, so I would say in this league, you can never say never. And e- even with the 
you know, the ship sailing. Like I, I wasn't saying that a hundred percent at the time. Uh, but I would still say now, like maybe it's increased a little bit, but I, I just don't think like the Lakers have to gut their depth to sign him. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, they, they basically have to give up everybody other than LeBron 80 and Austin Reeves. And at that point, you're basically recreating the the same issues you had depth wise with Russell Westbrook. Now I think Kyrie's a, a better player and a much better fit than Russ was, but Still, it's not ideal. And then again, trading wise, you have to get Dallas to agree. And I just don't see why they would do that unless the Lakers are throwing in a bunch of picks. And I just don't think they're going to do that. So uh, I think it's a low probability. Uh, again, the, the, the port is opened up a little bit, but I don't think the ship's coming back. I'll give you an analogy. It sounds to me like you're telling me it's uh Kind of like Columbus uh, sailing with the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. The ship has sailed, my friend. Almost uh, the way <laughs> when you when you factor in all these things that need to happen, um, the chances are certainly slimmer. I will tell you, I think they're even slimmer for Trey Young to end up with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. I kind of got a kick out of that one a little bit, um, but you know we've seen stranger things. You touched on uh, Austin Reeves for the Lakers a little bit, and that. Uh, in the mechanics of how they would have to get uh, Kyrie Irving and and whatnot, if that was even plausible, and 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 how they would still be able to keep Austin Reeves, um, you know, and talking with people around the league, Austin Reeves' situation is one of the most fascinating because it appears essentially that Austin Reeves is either going to get a four-year, fifty-four million dollar deal, you know, whatever the max the Lakers can offer, or it's going to take a team coming in four for a hundred million dollars um, to really move the needle um, with a restricted free agency offer sheet. You know, I, I've spoken to some executives and, and some think he's worth, uh, you know, 80. I think it, it, I, I'm curious once free agency unfolds, maybe some teams don't get guys that they thought they would get uh, that have cap space. Could they, make a bigger offer sheet and go up to that hundred million that remains to be seen. Um, but the Lakers have the opportunity to, uh, keep him, uh, he's, you know, not even scratching the surface of his prime. He's only gonna be 25 still. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at teams around the league and wonder where it would come from. You know, I know a lot of people talk about they try to do like a logical connecting of the dots of Orlando and Fred Van Vliet because Jeff Weltman was in Toronto. But um, I don't know if I see that as much for him. I, I To me, a guy like Austin Reeves would theoretically fit their timeline more uh, given the age of their roster and his ability to shoot. I have heard Orlando would look at uh, trying to upgrade their shooting uh, this offseason. So that would kind of fit there. Um, and then if you're the Houston Rockets, you know, everybody thinks, you know, James Harden to the Rockets has got a real shot. But if that doesn't happen, where do you go from there? Do you make a, a, a big offer sheet for Austin Reeves? These are, these are scenarios that I, I think are certainly plausible, but only time is going to tell uh, whether they come to fruition or not. When, when you look at your crystal ball for Austin Reeves' free agency deal this summer, uh, what comes up? Well, I reported last week and, uh, you know, every, everything I've heard since then continues to echo this, that the Lakers are going to match any contract offer sheet that he signs. 
up to that $100 million or yeah, I think the last number I'd heard was was 98.7, but it could be closer to 100 now. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see where the cap ends up in the, in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers view him as, uh, you know, the third best player on this team. Uh, if you really look at the, the season and, and the postseason that he had, uh, he stepped up big time. Uh, what was basically an 18, five and five guy uh, with, with near 50, 40, 90 splits uh, as a starter for them. Uh, they, they really like, you know, really, I think you know, there's several factors as to why the Lakers made that second half run, but uh, chief among them. And, and maybe the, the you know biggest factor overall was just Austin Reeves ascension. And I think he had shown flashes of it. I think he potentially could have done that earlier in the season, had the Lakers given him that starting role and, and, and just, played him a bit more, but you know, one of the the key things after the deadline was Austin became a starter and really broke out, particularly when LeBron James was out as this on ball creator and, and, and playmaker that uh, again, we had seen flashes of, but you know, w- with a consistent role and consistent playing time and, and just having the ball in his hands more, uh, I think you, you saw he could step up and, and really be that secondary guy that most teams are looking for. So uh, I think the Lakers are going to retain him. Obviously, their preference would be to sign him to the the four-year $54 million deal. Uh, I, I, I've heard that there are going to be multiple suitors out there. Uh, just, just from talking to people around the league, like um, you, know, you mentioned uh, Orlando and, and Houston. Uh, I've heard San Antonio uh, could be a, a dark horse team that uh, we'll, we'll try to to poach Austin from the Lakers, but um, that like that's uh, you know whatever it is, I think he's he's priority one for the Lakers this offseason. Like they are, I think they they learn from um, the Alex Crusoe situation, and uh, frankly, I, I think this would be a bigger disaster than the Alex Crusoe uh, Crusoe situation, just because Austin's a better player, and he I think he he's shown more. And, you know, different, different guys, he's not the defender Crusoe is, but Crusoe is obviously not the, the offensive threat that Austin is. And um, I think that, you know, for a guy to, in his second season, be, I think in, in my opinion and in, in the team's opinion, the clear cut third best guy on this team, uh, on a team that made the Western Conference finals, like that's a guy you, you have to pay 20 plus million uh, if he gets that. So uh, I've heard, you know, around, you, you mentioned 80 million. Uh, like kind of 80, 85 million is where teams feel like the Lakers might have to think about it and, and maybe try to call their, their bluff. Uh, but I, again, from, from what I've heard from the Lakers side, they're matching it all the way up to a hundred million. So if a team wants to tie up their, their cap space for, you know, the, the free, uh, the restricted free agency period, then, you know, so be it, but the Lakers are going to match. I mean, it, uh, he's him. You know, he's him. He said it. I'm him. Uh, I'm him. <laughs> I guess he's a great moment. I guess he's going to be I, one of the funniest things I've seen. And uh, the fact that they picked up that audio in such a, a loud environment was amazing. But, hey, look, he played he played uh, pretty well against Denver. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for that. And uh, he will get a bag. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how it shakes out ultimately. But. You know, we, you talk about him getting a bag. Another guy in the backcourt that's chasing a bag is D'Angelo Russell. And, um, you know, look, I, 
I think D'Angelo's situation is a lot more uncertain. I would say that, um, you know, previously, I, I think there were some rumblings out there that he was hoping for 25 million annually, but that I believe was when he was with uh, Minnesota and they came lower than that. I believe it was around the $20 million annual mark. And naturally he, and, and of course he ends up going to LA, um, loves it when he first comes there and, and shoots the ball. Well, um, the playoffs, uh, was a bit more, uh, rocky for him, but at the end of the day, D'Angelo Russell is still a good player. You know what you're getting, you know, you're getting 16, 18 points a game, uh, six to seven assists. So, Yovan, when you look at um, D'Angelo Russell, is is this a scenario where he signs a short-term deal with the Lakers or does uh, he get a sign and trade maybe elsewhere? Because I'm looking at these cap teams and it's like Indiana has their backcourt. Um, Orlando, in theory, could have interest, but I I don't necessarily see it. Uh, Same thing with Oklahoma City. I, I don't see it. Um, Houston, I think they've got other guys prioritized, certainly, uh, starting with James Harden going on down the list. I don't know about the Spurs, Utah, um, and Detroit has an, uh, an overflow of, of, uh, guards. So where, how do you see this D'Angelo Russell free agency shaking out with, with all this in mind? Yeah, well, uh, as you know, I wrote today, like, I think just based on the conversations I've had, like, I don't know where the market for him is. And I think one that that gives the Lakers leverage and that, yeah, he may have initially wanted that 25 plus 30 plus million annually, but, um, you know, he didn't play up to that level, uh, you know, first off and, and second off, like, where is the competition for his services. And I don't think there are sometimes situations where even if you don't think a guy has a market for whatever reason, you're just going to pay him regardless. But I don't think this is one of those situations. I I think D'Lo kind of proved he's probably more of a 17 to $20 million guy, which is still a lot of money, but, but I think definitely less than he thinks he's going to get or or is worth. Um, And, and and as you said, like looking at the, the potential cap space teams, uh, looking at potential sign in trades. Like, I just don't like, I, I went through all 30 starting backcourts and you could probably stretch it. Like, if just on a, a merit based system, you could probably stretch it to like 10 teams he, he would start for. But realistically, what, when factoring in context and who those teams have in their backcourt in terms of, you know, young guys and draft picks and whatnot, like, it's probably only a few teams. That, that you could even make the argument for uh, that, that would have interest in, in trading for him. So I, I just don't see the, the leverage there on, on his side of things other than just saying, you know, I, uh, I mean, he, he was a, a big part of the second round uh, turnaround. You know, I, I think he, he deserves a lot of credit. He, he was the, the third best player for stretches of that. But um, yeah, I, I think everyone focuses on the Denver series, but I would even say the first two series, um, you know, there were some lows in, in, in there as well. Like he, he was not a consistent player for the Lakers through the first couple of rounds, had some big moments, had some, some big games, some big quarters against Golden State and Memphis. But I think for the most part, what was kind of up and down. And I, I think it, what, when you're looking at the, the new CBA and 
know, every dollar is going to matter. Uh, and, and if you're looking at a guy who's like, uh, you know, I, I think maybe your third best player, but, but probably your fourth or, or fifth best uh, on most nights, uh, that's a lot of money to pay that type of guy. Like I, I think the, you know, the, the way most teams are going to be structured is that fourth or fifth guy is, is not making 20 plus million. So um, I think I'm fascinated by it. I think it's kind of the pivot point of the off season for them because you know, we mentioned Kyrie, we mentioned Trey young, uh, Fred Van Vliet's also out there. Lakers could also just pivot technically and, and, you know, let D'Lo walk or uh, sign and trade him. And, um, maybe go for like a, a mid-level exception type point guard. Um, you know, maybe bring back Dennis uh, Schroeder at, at that number. And like, yeah, I, I think that there's, there's different ways they can go, but I think that ultimately if you see a change on this roster, it's, it's uh, or, you know, substantial change, it's probably coming at the point guard spot at the expense of, of D'Angelo Russell. So um, I, I think, you know, one, one thing for them would, would maybe be if he wants a certain, a certain number again, whether that's, closer to 25 or 30 million, uh, maybe you go shorter term and, and say, hey, okay, here's two years, 50 million. You're on the same timeline as LeBron and AD and we're, we're not going to put you past that. But I, I think the longer that contract goes, like one, it doesn't really make sense to do over two years probably for, for him. Uh, but but two, if you are going to go longer years, you're definitely going to have to lower the annual salary. So um, I, I suspect probably something like a two or three year deal I think him resigning is, is the most likely outcome, uh, followed by probably just letting him walk or, or renouncing his rights. Uh, and, and then third would probably be a sign and trade. Because again, I just don't see the clear suitor out there uh, that that's going to be, you know, looking to hard cap themselves to acquire D'Angelo Russell. Pretty spot on analysis, I think. And, you know, when you look at another guy that they acquired in at the trade deadline, you look at Rui Hachimura, to me, I felt like he had some flashes in the playoffs, certainly, um, that bode well for his free agency stock. Um, to me, Jovan L.A. didn't trade three second-round picks to acquire him and, and let him walk in free agency. I do think he's going to be back. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, $12 million a year, whether that's $15 million a year, or a different number, time will tell, but... Have you heard anything on one him coming back on the, into the Lakers, but two, how much he could cost? Because I, I do think that's going to be interesting. As you touched on, they, they they've got to manage their money closely here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so similar similar to Austin, I, I, I've heard that the Lakers plan on matching any contract uh, offer sheet that Rui Hachimura signs. And to be clear, uh, you know we we both know this, but I, I got to say it. Like Rui and Austin are restricted free agents and the, the amount of questions I've gotten or, or the amount of speculation I've seen in which people are talking about those guys leaving or the Lakers not being able to match them. Like they're both restricted free agents. The Lakers control their destiny with those two guys. They can sign either of them, you know, match any contract that those guys sign technically. So with that said, um, I, I think, I've heard different numbers on Rui. Like I, I initially I'd, I'd heard, um, you know, he, he had turned down a, a contract offer or extension um, from Washington that was in that kind of 14, $15 million range. And, and that was maybe back in 
well, it was after the Lakers had acquired him, but but that that offer was was back in training camp or October somewhere around then. And uh, I think, uh, you know, at the time I was kind of like, okay, well, I, I don't think he's going to get that much again. So I'm kind of surprised he turned that down. But uh, and I would even have felt that way at the end of the regular season, where um, you know, late in March, Rui got a DNP CD, and it, it wasn't looking like the rosiest situation where he was. You know, he got moved to the bench after they got Jared Vanderbilt and, uh, you know, was again, wasn't always playing a lot or, or closing games or whatnot. Uh, but he really stepped up big time in the playoffs. Um, you know, if if Austin was their third player, uh, third best player on most nights, uh, most nights, I would say Rui was probably their fourth best player uh, on most nights. And his, his defense against Nikola Jokic, uh, you know, his some big performances on the road. Uh, against Memphis and Golden State, like he really showed up in, in a big way for the Lakers. So uh, I think his market is anywhere probably in that 15 to 18 million dollar range annually. And uh, I think in that range, the Lakers are comfortable and and would retain him. I think where it gets a little dicey is does it get up? You know, is there a team that is really selling themselves on Rui and is looking at can we do three years 60? Can we do four years 80? Uh, or, or even a little bit more? And will that make the Lakers uncomfortable? And that's where I think it gets a little tricky for LA, where again, if you're matching Austin and, you know, thankfully for them, it would only be about 12 million, a little bit over 12 million in that first year for Austin. So you're not necessarily feeling that figure right away. But if Rui's getting up there 19, 20, 21, 22 million, uh, that kind of gets, you know, becomes a tough pill to swallow, especially when looking at, Delo's potential salary or, or a guy you'd be getting back for Delo. Um, you know, what happens with Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba? Uh, do they guarantee and exercise those contracts to flip those guys for another rotation guy? Like, so I think that's where, again, the, the new CBA and uh, the, the tax penalties and, and all those things really come into play where it, it sounds kind of crazy, but the difference between Rui at 18 million and Rui at 22 million it's substantial. It's, it's, it's a bit more than, than just $4 million. So I think for the Lakers, anything above kind of 18, 19 is where they're going to have to strongly consider is Rui worth that. But if he gets a 15 to $18 million range, which I think is more of his market value, uh, I expect them to match that. I think we're pretty on the same page with Rui. When we look at the rest of the roster, we've got a couple more guys. I mean, uh, I know you touched on Malik a little bit. We'll we'll get to him in a sec. But I mean, Lonnie Walker won these guys a playoff game essentially, and kind of came out of nowhere and played well in the playoffs. And you know how it works, Yovan. When you play well in the playoffs, regardless of what you've done in the regular season or not, the playoffs mean more to to people around the league. Um, I think Lonnie helped himself. Certainly, there's no question about that. But I, I don't have a firm grasp yet on what his value is going to be or whether he stays or not. Do you? Not really. Lonnie's a bit of a tricky one. Um, you know, first, of course, there's the clutch connection, which uh, I think always is a factor with, with any Lakers guys that, that are, you know, have, have the, the clutch ties. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I, I was thinking like Lonnie had a real roller coaster of a season where he started off strong, um, made me eat my words. Uh, when he first signed, I, I 
wrote, I felt it was the worst mid-level signing uh, or, you know, mini mid-level signing that any team had in the offseason. Because I, I just felt looking at what the Lakers needed, looking at the caliber of play, like Bruce Brown was, was a mini mid-level guy. And like, that that's the type of impact I, I, or the type of guy I felt like the Lakers needed. Um, and to see some of the, the signings and, and the discount, like, Otto Porter Jr. obviously ended up not playing, but like seeing that guy or Dante DiVincenzo, like these were guys who had played in finals games, uh, you know, won championships, uh, played in, in big moments. And to, to have a guy like Lonnie, uh, who was, you know, for, for the most part, a bench player on a lottery San Antonio team and, and kind of more of a gunner than anything. Like, I just didn't really see the fit. I didn't really get it, but he came in and, and played really well in the first half of the season. Uh, second half of the season, they, they start Austin. They, they bring in Malik. Uh, Troy Brown was playing really well. Uh, so Lonnie falls out of the rotation. And then, as you said, in that game four against Golden State, uh, potentially saves the Lakers season and helps them go up 3-1 three, three, and really puts away the Warriors. So I think that probably, like, I think he was looking more like a, a, a vet minimum guy, uh, you know, based on the way the second half of the year went. I think that performance in the playoffs and, and him reemerging in the rotation probably bumps him up into that mini mid-level range again, or, uh, you know, teams could use the biannual exception uh, on him as well. Um, so I think he's probably in that like four to six, four to seven uh, million dollar range. Um, I know like his exit interview and, and some of his, his post-game interviews to, to end the playoffs, like he made it clear, you know, he, he thinks highly of himself. He, he's very confident. Uh, he, he wants a big role. And, you know, he even mentioned kind of looking at guys like LeBron and AD and saying like, I want to be at that level. I, I want to be a star in this league. So I don't know. I mean, for, from the Lakers side, you know, the, the most uh, they, they can offer him because they, they have his non-bird rights uh, it is about, I, I want to say 7.8 million uh, or somewhere around there. Uh, I, I think obviously, you know, that's good money for him, but I think he's probably looking more at his role and his next contract uh, as something that he's going to prioritize. So I, I would suspect he probably ends up elsewhere at a spot where he could either start or be like a sixth or seventh man, because even if the Lakers bring him back, I don't think there's any guarantee. Like one, he's not starting because it's going to be Austin and D'Lo or Austin and a new point guard. And two, I mean, I, I just think there's only so many minutes that are going to be available in that backcourt. So I, I just don't, I don't see a clear like 25, 30 minute role for him on this Lakers team. So, you know, maybe he just resigns because it's the most money he can get. But I think more realistically is he probably ends up elsewhere in a bigger role where he can kind of showcase his offensive talent. The four to six million range was interesting. One Western Conference exec said that to me, and I, I wasn't sure on that. I haven't asked enough people about it, but interesting that you both had the same evaluation. But um, let's wrap it up with, I guess, these three. We got, obviously, Dennis Schroeder, Malik Beasley, and Mo Bamba. Um, for Schroeder, um, him, he and Lakers coach Darvin Ham are close, dating back to their time with the Hawks, and there's definitely a trust factor there. Ham went to Schroeder a ton um, in the playoffs, but LA is going to be limited what they can offer him. I certainly think his agent, Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports, can get him a decent deal, uh, more than yeah. what LA can offer him. So um, I, I'm, I'm not sure really what happens there with 
Malik Beasley, I thought that would have been when they first acquired him. I thought that it would be, I felt pretty confident at the time that they would pick up his team option. I'm not as sure now, given um, the way that uh, the, the season ended for him a little bit. But I mean, either way, I do think if he hit the market as an unrestricted free agent, I think he will have suitors. There, there's always, uh, there are always suitors looking for shooters. Try to say that one as a tongue twister, folks. <laughs> but, um, and he's still young and he was, I believe he was the top three point shooter off the bench this year. Um, Mo Bamba, same thing. They, the Lakers need size. He's young and uh, you could always pick up his option and then flip it down the line if you want to move him for an expiring. What are your thoughts rapid fire on those three? Yeah, well, Dennis, I, I think, as you said, was the safety blanket for Darvin Ham at times uh, where, you know, he started for a bit, uh, would, would often close games and, um, you know, ended up playing a, a pivotal role in the playoffs. So uh, Lakers have basically two options. I think they, they can use part of their uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which goes to about $12.2 million, uh, on Dennis. Otherwise, I think he's gone because the most they can sign him otherwise is is uh, about three point eight million, which I think is below uh, you know market value for him, as you said. And I think he could start for some teams or, or be you know one of the better backup point guards in the league. So I think he's going to have suitors. Uh, I think he, he did himself a, a lot of favors w- with that playoff run and uh, really established himself as a you know a high level point guard. Uh, someone who I think is, you know, a top thirty, top forty, top thirty-five point guard in the league right now. So uh, I think he, he's going to get paid, whether it's by the Lakers or someone else. With the other two, I think the Lakers, in an ideal world, would love to keep them. But again, as we're talking about money, sixteen point five million for Malik Beasley, ten point three million for Mo Bamba. I just think those figures are too high for LA with, with what they're going to have to pay Austin, what they're going to have to pay Rui, D'Lo potentially a Dennis. Um, so I think LA is looking at it like, you know, they could opt those guys in and then most likely trade them e- either on draft night or, or at some point down the road. Uh, or they just, you know, decline Beasley's option, uh, you know, wave Bamba and then, you know, technically could resign those guys. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken um, to minimum contracts or, or, you know, lesser deals. So I think, it's it's one of those two, but I think just at those numbers, those guys most likely aren't back. Well, Jovan, it's certainly going to be a busy summer, and I look forward to your coverage of the team, and I appreciate you joining me, brother. And I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Jovan Buha, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Jovan, too. He's at Jovan Buha. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.